Welcome to Sundown on WLRN. I'm Wilkin Brutus. Luis Hernandez is out today. Little Haiti wasn't always what it is today. The vibrant community that we know now has been built through many hardships, obstacles, and joyous moments, too. Viter Juist and his wife Maria Juist are some of the early pioneers. Along with a number of other Haitians, they left their home in the late 50s during the dictatorship of Francois Papadoc Duvalier. Viter is considered the father of this community, and he eventually, or he actually, coined the name Little Haiti. On Saturday, the Juice family is being honored at the center of the neighborhood is Northeast 59th Street. A part of that street will now be called Vitea and Maria Juiced Way. Joining us now is their son, Carl Juiced. He's a photojournalist with the Miami Herald and the founder of the Iris Photo Collective. Carl, Sakap Fet. Sakap Fet, mon femme. Hey, tout femme. Not bully. Oh, thanks for joining us. Uh, the city of Miami is renaming Northeast 59th Street Vita and Maria Justway in honor of your parents. What are some of your favorite memories with them? Oh, man. Well, well first, uh, full disclosure, whenever I talk to my about my parents in public, I, I choke up um, because they to me, they have not passed. They live with, within me. And, and many times I cover this community, I see my parents and if they're Cuban, if they're Haitian, Venezuelan, Nicaraguan, Honduras, anybody who's coming to this country for a better life, for freedom, they remind me of my parents. So I, I, I'm not going to apologize for being emotional when I come talk, when I talk about my parents, but I, I just want the audience to understand where the, where my voice cracks, why is, it, why is that happening? Yeah, no need to apologize. This, this is a safe space. <laughs> so um, my favorite memory is, 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 you know, my parents worked in tandem. You know, my dad, people would come to his, his store and they would line up to, you know, seek counsel. Um, um, politicians would come over and to my, to my dad to, you know, to consult. And my mom did the same thing too, you know, women, uh, kids would come to my, to my mother's house. She used to, um, to help those who, who are new, new arrivals. And we would, we used to have this thing called meh and meh was, you know, everybody pulled their money together and every week the, that pool of money would be given to an individual. And she did that for the majority of her life. And the, they both understood the power of the individual, but they also understood why a community cannot exist if we all do not come together. And and I, I think it's in that legacy, all my memories it gravitate towards that one theme of togetherness as a family. Now we fight, you know, we fight, God knows we fight, but at the end of the day, we love each other because we're like fingers to the fist. Hmm. It reminds me of that popular phrase like all legalies like I <laughs> right right exactly um, and so um yes yeah, school church home like all legalies like I <laughs> yeah uh, your father was a man known for being quite a fierce advocate for Haitian immigrants uh what compelled your father to take a position of leadership during a time when discrimination against Haitian immigrants was high the constitution plain and simple my father didn't fight for Haitians my father fought for the American dream. It just so happened he happens to be Haitian. He spoke Spanish fluently. He spoke French, Creole. Kind of played around with German. But my father understood what the immigrant, what made this country 
such a special place. He was well-traveled, well-learned, or well-educated. He understood the difference out of all Western countries, why this was so precious and why other countries followed, up, followed our leads, our lead. And that being said, he didn't do it for Haitians. He did it for children. He did it for taxi drivers. He did it for, for those who are marginalized. Not just my father, my mother did the same. And though they could have taken different paths, when you run away from persecution, you're not running away from persecution. You're running towards freedom. Hmm. And as you're running towards freedom, you know, tell us more about your mother's role in, in making oh, Little Haiti what it is today. And how, how has she impacted the, that quest for freedom? I think half of Miami Haitian population wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten their first car, send their kids to, to college. Um, they wouldn't have gone second tier education. It wasn't for my mother. My mother believed when you come together, you can do great things. I remember people would come to my house in their brand new car that they purchased because my mother developed a network system that a community could offer a microloan. You know, a thousand dollars is not much for, you know, these days, but it's for me, that's how I got my first camera. For me, that's how I purchased my, my first car. She, she, she helped, was hard. She helped you get yeah. that camera? She said, yeah. She said, put your money in the man. Put your money in the man. And the man means hand. Put your money in the man. And when your money comes up, you get your $600. And then you buy your first camera. He's, she says, I'm not going to give you that money. And, and that was a really important lesson that I had to learn. That I had to earn my passion that I had to finance my passion, but more importantly, that I had to give my passion. So that first camera I got, I ended up giving it to a young student. And I told him when I had that camera to him, I said, this is something dear to me. I said, what I want you to do with this camera is give it to somebody else. Hmm. And those are, that's, how my, that's what my parents taught me. That's the real legacy of my parents. Wow, freedom, financial literacy, that they had their hands in everything at this point, right? Yeah. Nursing, um, nursing. Nursing. Wow. Yeah, my mother, she got her L LPN in her 60s. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Uh, Carl, you and I know that typically Haitian parents want their children to be engineers, doctors. The conservative job list goes on and on. You've been yeah. a photojournalist for the Miami Herald for the last 30 plus years. W what do you owe your parents? The truth. I owe them the truth. I owe them that I can be as honest as possible. In a world that's constantly, constantly uh, more engaged with imagery, more engaged with, with not falsehoods, but more engaged with, with, with the curb appeal. My dad didn't care what was the color of your skin. Why, how, how you even look like, but he did measure you by the character of your soul. Well, and that's what I try to do. And I hate to interrupt you. What was the process like when you got 
Northeast 59th Street name after your parents? Who, who was collectively involved in making this happen? Wow. It started back a couple of years back with Michelle Spence-Jones. She came to me. She says, hey, we want we think about naming uh, Street after your dad. We don't know what street it's going to be, but we, we think he needs to be honored. And back then, I had just... I just moved in with in Eduardo Valcalle's um, beautiful, beautiful studio space. And he said, Carl, I want you to be here. I want you to be in this space. I said, okay. So moved in. And then we all know what happened to Spence Jones. She left Miami. And then it got quiet for a while. Then something magical happened. It came back to surface again. And um, Jeffrey Watson, came up to me and said, hey, we're thinking about naming the street after your dad. Meanwhile, simultaneously, I have a nephew named Winnie Blanc, which is my sister's son. And he said, he said, uncle, we got to get this name. I said, look, I can't really get involved in this. I'm, I'm, I work for the press. If, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to do it. I will help you where I can, but you're going to have to do it. He took up that, he took that baton and ran with it. He handed over to, to Jeffrey Watson, but before Jeffrey Watson, it was handed over. There's a woman by the name of Viola. I'm gonna pronounce her name badly. Nakis, 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 <laughs> Nikis, and she was on the uh, Little Haiti, um, um, Little Haiti Trust, and she was driving around. She said, "Why there's not a name?" Any street's name after Bidejus, because she had known about my dad. She goes, she made it her mission. When when Jeffrey Watson came to her and said, We want to name the street after a, a, a Haitian uh, pioneer, she quickly jumped in and said, Bidejus should be the person. And she fought for it. And she fought alongside my, my, my nephew. And, and on Saturday, now we'll see. The, you know, we'll see the results of all a lot of people, a lot of people. And, and, and a lot of folks made it happen. Now, now the, the, the city of Miami officially recognized the name of Little Haiti about That's seven right. years ago. Uh, what was your father's role in introducing that name to the area? Um, and he was having he was being interviewed by the Miami Herald. And 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 apparently during the interview, uh, they asked him a question, you know, what you know, what? What would you like for this part of the part of the county to be, the part of the city to be? He says, "Well, you know, if the, if the Cubans gonna have a little, little Havana. Why can't the Haitians have a little Port-au-Prince?" And the guy, the guy said, "Well, that's kind of long name. It's a really long name." And he goes, "Well, then why can't they have a little Haiti?" And it stuck, and that 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 conversation made it into the story. And ever since, that's what it's been called. We call it T-I-E-T. And my father's store was where Haiti, if you wanted to go back to Haiti, that's where you went. If you wanted music, if you wanted film, if you wanted uh, uh, records, if you want books, if you want even candy, sodas, newspapers. My father brought Haiti to Miami. I, I've, I consider him the, the Haitian Moses. We left <laughs> Haiti and went to New York, the whole middle class of Haiti went with us. When we came, when we came to Miami, we were in caravan, I think of six, five cars and one rider truck. 
Okay, we came down as a caravan. Wow, the, the Haitian that, Moses of TIT. <laughs> TIT, you know, my cousins, my brother's friends, and all of them relocated in Miami. And my father was respected. I mean, he was well, he was loved, but not always well liked because he, he, he told things how, how he saw it. Okay, Carl, one second. Uh, I'm speaking with Miami Herald photojournalist Carl Joost. He joins us to talk about the renaming of Northeast 59th Street in Little Haiti after his parents, who are among the founding pioneers of Little Haiti. You can find more about this story on our social media at WLRN Sundow. Now, Carl, you've traveled around the world covering all types of stories from the intricacies of Miami to the war in Afghanistan. And now you're hosting an up coming panel, uh, a man-to-man conversation surrounding Haitian masculinity, Haiti, uh, and women's rights, right? And women's rights. Uh, let's explore each. Um, why do you want to spark a conversation surrounding Haitian masculinity? Well, the conversations have brought a conversation, this specific topic tomorrow night at, at, at six is about um, Haitian ma- masculinity. But the man-to-man concept, the series of conversations, I, I, I got tired of talking to myself and, and I've got tired of not finding, I have really close men friends and we talk about things of substance, of weight, you know, our relationships, our fears, politics, sex, and all those things, those kind of conversations I felt were always happening in a silo. And I wanted to have, I wanted to have a vehicle in which we can stop talking at each other, at each at each other, and start speaking to with each other, and I wanted the public to kind of, kind of listen in on this conversation, because I know when we have those kind of conversations, they can be very transformative. They can be transformative. Hmm. They could actually elicit change, and that's what it's all about. And the, and speaking of that change mental health is is a topic of interest for for this new generation it's certainly happening right now yes. and and you know you're a father too you have a son how yes. do you pass on your family's legacy to that new generation how, how do you talk about masculinity with him oh you know children do, do not listen to you they watch you <laughs> hmm. they do not listen to you my man they watch you they see how you behave so when I navigate spaces, I navigate spaces the way my father taught me that I navigate a space. Wear your crown and wear it well. You could bend your knees to pray, but never bend your head to anything. Hmm. Never bend your head Don't to anything. Bow. Don't bow your head to anything. Why is now the time to produce a panel like this? Because I think we need to have these conversations. We need to have these, we need to talk about the angst because masculine black males people of color in general are under attack by the system and I don't know why it it feels to me like every time I wake up there's something that's being taken I don't need to tell you more right look what's happening with with um with abortion rights with 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 transgender rights I, I could go down the list and I think if you're going to have change, change must start from within. Change, real change happens with an arm length, not across the country. 
And on the so, topic of, of masculinity, you know, there are there are many ways to describe Haiti from different vantage points. Let's segue to Haiti uh, because you, you mentioned change here and right. uh, <laughs> there's no country in the world that's been looking for change or, you know, the way in which Haiti has been looking for their particular kind of change. But whether you're on the ground in Haiti or part of the diaspora, one common refrain is that Haiti is a beautiful country with potential, but set back by political and economic instability. At this panel, what, what lens are you looking at Haiti through? I'm looking at through culturally shared traditions. You know, we keep we always mentioning 1804. And 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 and, and that's, that is great. But how do we bring 1804 to 2024, 2023, 2022? And these conversations that we're going to have will at least start that process of taking the legacy in the past, bringing it into the present so that we can move into the future. Um, you mentioned how Haiti was the first black republic and there's this constant sort of acknowledgement of that and you want the conversation to be streamlined a bit more in order to fix infrastructure in the city and, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in the different um, departments within Haiti. Um, let's talk about womanhood. Part of this panel also, it's a man-to-man panel, but there is this emphasis on valuing womanhood. Um, uh, for example, you, you can't discuss the revolution, the Haitian revolution, without the sacrifices made by Haitian women. Sanit Belair, Ceci mm-hmm. Fatima, to name a few. Why is it important to talk about women's rights on this male panel? Because every man comes from a woman. <laughs> You can't curse your origin. You have to praise it. It would be silly like the fruit cursing the tree. Every man and woman comes from a woman. As of today, looking back. Now, once that changed, I don't know when, but as of now, that's the fact. And having a strong mother, having a mother who liberated herself first, then liberated her children and her husband second. Hmm. You know, people think my dad is the strong one. No, anybody in my family knows better. If my dad is the flesh and my mother was the bone or the bones, she was his spine. She was his compass. There's there's a phrase there's a phrase called potomitan, which means the pole in the center, describing center. how women are the pillar of society, strong. But even that phrase can be a burden on some women. Um, is this panel also uh, trying to highlight the different ways in which women show up for their families um, and the sort of difficulties that may come with that as well? Yeah, I think I think our narratives are, are very similar. Me and me and Christian, we had the same narratives coming from a strong female house household. Um, it was hard for my dad to be present when he was present for everybody else. And my mother made me understand that at an early age. She says, when I speak to you, I speak to you as your father and your mother. Hmm. Because she knew she had to carry that because the work that my father was doing needed him to be outside. You know, he was harvesting the land while my mother was cooking the meal. Wow. 
Wow. The Man to Man series is happening tomorrow evening at the IPC Art Space in Little Haiti. You can find more information on our social media at WLRN Sundown. On Saturday, the city of Miami is renaming Northeast 59th Street, Vitea and Maria Juiced Way in honor of your parents. Congrats, congrats again, Juiced. Um, um, Carl Juice, he is an award-winning photojournalist with the Miami Herald and the founder of the Iris Photo Collective. Thanks again for joining us. No problem. I say one quick thing. This is not for Haitians. This is for Miami. This is for Miami Dade. Because our story is your story. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Thanks again. Still to come, it's Wildlife Thursday. We're talking about small creatures that have a mighty impact butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> 